0: Hey, morning. Morning. Oh, you guys are awake. This is awesome. This is great. You know, I hear the phrase often, life is all about relationships. Have you heard it? Life is all about relationships. And then I watch how I live my life and I wonder if I believe it. I wonder if I believe that statement that life is all about relationships. Today we're going to look at our extravagant relationship with God. But before we get there, you know, I get the gift of hanging out with teenagers. And if you know anything about teenagers, life is all about relationship, right? If you know anything about teenagers, it's true for them. And so um, I have put together a little video collage of our retreats, uh, some pictures. There's a couple great commercials that some of our, our uh, junior high boys made about how badly we need God. So you can check that out. Um, just to demonstrate in their, their faces and their interaction, you can see it's true. They believe in relationships. And I think they keep me young. They keep me open to how important relationships really, really, truly are. I, I got to let you know at the beginning of this clip, there's a staged uh, thing with the guitar, nobody went insane. It's worth a tiny bit of laugh, because you got to laugh when it comes to relationships. Roll the tape. who again, my God, I don't really ever care My name is Jesus, and this kit is brought to you by Jesus Do. Woo! <sighs> <Ooh. coughs> uh. Hey guys, how's it going? What we drinking? Just the same old Mountain Dew. Uh, man, Mountain Dew again! Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, you gotta get something new, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we should have a story. Dude, I have the best idea. What? We should call Jesus. Yeah. 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 It do it? I think I think know his number. right? Did you know please. What is it, please? I think it's 1-800-HEAVEN. Woo! <laughs> it's ringing. Oh, my It's ringing. Wait, sh- sh- sh-. Hello? for a new drink. We thirst! We need change! I love you. I'm your biggest fan. I think he's coming. I to- think he yes, he he's coming. He's come- yes. I am Jesus! Oh. Yeah! I've to call for somebody for for change. Yeah! Take this Jesus Dew instead of Mountain Dew. It will taste better. If you trust in Jesus, and you put faith in Jesus, he'll change your life. In a positive way! Jesus. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. Do, do dippity. <laughs> Watch for us at the Oscars next year. Obviously. Oh, if only Jesus came in a can. If only Jesus came in a can. I know you're a bunch of you are ready to volunteer, so just line up. Middle score is always that much fun. So, uh, keep me posted. But, you know, it's true. Relationships are key. Relationships are core. And yet we struggle with relationships. We, we struggle with imagining this extravagant, Relationship with God. So first let me start with the word extravagant. What's it even mean? The word extravagant, it means lavishing, exceeding beyond reasonable bounds, extreme abundance, over the top. The Latin actually, it talks about wandering outside. It's outside the box. Extravagance is outside the box. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna need your help today because I'm gonna do a little bit of math. Members of the finance team just went, lines and math, oh my gosh, can't believe it to be true. But I'm going to do a little bit of math, because we're going to use this math term, greater than, okay? So it's up there, right? There's greater than. We're going to use this math term, greater than. So whenever I go like this, see, greater than? I want you to say greater than, ready? Greater than. See, greater than, I'm now a math symbol. Great. <laughs> I feel less than smart right now. Okay. I'm just backing up. Hey, I might use some math today. (laughs) My greater than sign goes that way. Okay. So, when I do this, you say greater than. Greater than. Try it again. Greater than. Stupid idea. That was such a stupid idea. Wow. But I'm going to need your help because today I believe if we look at the word extravagant and we believe in extravagant relationship with God, we're going to be led to something greater than we ever imagined that we can actually live from day to day to day. Hope, confidence that God has got something for us. And not just lip service we give to relationships, but life that is lived believing it. So many times I say I believe things and I live in a different way. Maybe you feel the same way. And I know all the words to talk about it, but do I trust it? Am I free in the assurance of God's abundance, of his exceeding beyond reasonable bounds, of his ability to be in my life? I long for it. I think you do too. And we get glimpses, we get tastes. But today, I I think it's, it's God's call for us to seek his reminders, to recall the ways that he really wants to be more and abundant and overall in our lives. To be extraordinary, to be extravagant. I know that I need to hear that. I believe you do too. Let's pray. Father, I pray you help me with my math. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is uh, we have a, a God in our minds that's too small. We don't know you well enough. We have memory lapses of your goodness and faithfulness. And so when we think about you, sometimes we think in terms too little, we think in terms too cheap, we get ourselves too busy to know otherwise. Be here for us in these moments. Give us a taste of what it means to be extravagantly loved. And then a vision of living out that extravagant love, it can't help but spill over into a world that so badly needs it. Help us receive you today in a greater than kind of way. More than just in tastes and glimpses, help us feast on it. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm thinking about the the word extravagance. And in my own life, um, what's one of the most extravagant things that I've ever experienced? Well, recently, very recently, we did, we've done, been doing a bathroom remodel. And so after 36 hours without a toilet, when I got the toilet on at 11.30 last night, it was extravagant. <laughs> but bigger than that, uh, when I think about my most extravagant experience, and I would encourage you to do that too, think of a time in your life, a place, a situation, that you say, gosh, that was extravagant. Um, I quickly remember a, a wedding trip that Lisa and I went on. It wasn't our honeymoon. It was about three months afterwards. And we'd actually received so much abundant love from our former congregation and gifts uh, for our wedding. Steve was at my wedding. Steve and Beth were at our wedding. It was just such a gift that we had enough money to travel to Paris and to Africa. For three weeks, we spent time in Africa visiting with uh, my best friend who's a missionary in Ivory Coast. And there's a couple of pictures of us in, in Africa and then on the beach and then uh, we were in Paris in three days. And everything about that entire trip, it, it reeks of extravagance. Not because we were spending all this money, but we had been given these gifts from these friends and we were only there because someone had done, other people had done so much for us to even experience it. And when you taste that kind of extravagance, you walk around with such gratitude. It makes a difference and you say, I'm so grateful. This is a gift because all these people, they, they gave for us to have this experience. And so as I thought through the, the rest of this message, it was in the, kind of in this kind of uh, context, I was imagining, what is God talking about with this extravagant relationship he's calling us to? And I hope, too, that you, you can think of things in your own mind that uh, just all this goodness, this overabundance, probably due to the gifts and the goodness of others that made it so much more special, so much more rich. You know, and the love of God is like that. The love of God is this, this kind of extravagance, this kind of Great. extravagance. And so when I think about this, what's it mean to have an extravagant relationship of love with my Savior, with my Creator, as a Christian, what's what's how's that lived out? Um, I thought of this word or this question more 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 just this question about what's it mean my calling as a Christian. Um, Kenny and I in January we spent uh, three days at a spiritual uh, discovery retreat together with, uh, with the pastor I grew up with, who is here in Beaverton, and he challenged us with a couple of questions, and this was the the first question that he challenges us with. As a Christian, what is your calling? What is God drawing you to? To, to know and to taste and receive his extravagance. And so this is the first of the key questions. What is your calling? And then in, in our discovery, we, w- we looked at calling at two levels. The first order calling is this. It's God's invitation to live in a relationship of loving intimacy. God invites you. God invites me. To be in a relationship with Him, a loving relationship that is greater than, that is full of overabundant love. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's the starting place of what's our calling as a Christian. To love God, to glorify Him, to be, to enjoy Him all the days of our lives. And it starts with this relationship. Our first order calling is to love and be loved by God, to grow in this relationship of intimacy. And that's gotta always stay our starting place. God created us from the first page of the Bible to be relational with him and relational creatures with each other. Now there's a second order to this calling as well, and it's God's invitation to follow him into the world using our spiritual gifts to his glory. There's a piece of our calling to go out and be the hands and feet of God, to actually put our faith into action and to do good deeds for God, to be that light that shines. You get that, right? But if you're like me, I sometimes get these two guys switched back and forth about the priority calling. And, you know, it's really a stumbling block and maybe I'm, I'm alone in it, but I don't think so. As, a, as a, a, a professional Christian, I get paid to be a Christian as a church person or whatever. You know, I sometimes get thinking all the time that my first calling, my primary calling is what I do for God. And that might even earn Kudos and love in the relational department from God who's going to be really pleased at how hard I work for Him. Am I the only one who works, who struggles with this? you guys know what I'm talking about? We get these things flipped backwards and we, we spend all our time on this second order calling and all we can think about is doing for God and all the do-do-dos and all the shoulds that we do, should do in living out our piety, should, 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 and then you're just in a big pile of do-do and should, and it doesn't even work out for you when you get these things flipped backwards. But the reality is, our first order of calling is so much greater than what we do for God. Our extravagant relationship and going deeper and deeper and experiencing that is so much greater than what we do for Him. And then what we do for Him, just—it it is overflow. It's just overflow. And so at this retreat, Kenny and I and others, we spent time going away journaling and reflecting on how much we get this mixed up in our head and how much the extravagance of God gets minimized when we spend all the time on the dues. Do you get it? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you struggle with this? I hope and pray that the passages that you hear today, which I believe many of you will know already, maybe even have memorized, they'll penetrate more deeply to change this equation back in the way it should be, that our first order of calling is greater than what we do for God. And that's the truth of our first-order calling. You know, actually, spring break, this reminds me, I hang out with college kids a lot during spring break, and I normally ask them, hey, how's your faith going? The first thing they say to me, always, I'm not getting to church very much. Oh, you're in college. I get it. So, well, how's your faith going? Ah, you know what, I'm not I'm not doing much Bible study, and I connect on occasion with that small group. Uh, okay, how's your faith going? I'm not not even praying except for big tests. (laughs) Do you see what they're doing? They got this thing backwards, right? And you and I do too all the time. I wasn't asking you about what you do for God. I was asking you if you're reaching out, you're calling out, you're being loved on by God who is extravagant. Are you receiving that love? Are you open to that love? Or is all the guilt about what you should be doing pushing it away? my friends this is a daily thing for me is it is it for you a daily thing to be reminded that the greater thing is the love of god so today we're going to we're going to look at some uh, a survey of some scripture and actually look at some metaphors in scripture to drive home the fact that that god's extravagant love for us is greater than we could ever hope or imagine And so I might encourage you to write these scriptures down. Some of them are in Kathy's readings and some weren't. Um, And like all metaphors, like all language, it's going to fall short of the truth of God for us. But it's the only way we can even think about how to try to grab hold of how big God's love for us and to inform and inspire us. So we're going to look at four metaphors about this extravagant relationship with God that hopefully would penetrate our hearts and we can go a little bit deeper with. All right? Thumbs up? Okay, show me your thumbs. Well done. Thanks for hanging with me. We're going to be doing math, and we're going to be doing thumb work. Okay, here we go. The first metaphor is an extravagant father. The first picture is God is an extravagant father. So think of the best moments with your dad or your parent. The best moments are the times when you're like, my gosh, my dad, my my mom, my parent was so right on as a parent in this way, in this way, in this way, in this way. In this way. They blessed me. They were always there for me. Let me tell you something. God's extravagant love for us as a father is greater than, help me, is greater than any love we could ever receive from a human parent. Listen to 1 John chapter 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Lavished. What a great word. Everybody use that word this week in a sentence. I dare you. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Do you get it? How great This is John, the beloved disciple, the one who said the one he called himself, he identified his identity by the word love, the one that Jesus loved. He was transformed by love. And he says to his followers, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, lathered on us, poured on, overflowing on us, that we should be God's kids. And just because he thinks that we're dull in the head, he repeats it. Oh, and by the way, that is what we are. John knows that we're dull in the head. So how many of you get it? Yeah, yeah, God's my Father. I pray my Heavenly Father. I pray... You get, We kind of get it. But how many of you go beyond just saying you believe it and feel it? That God's going to provide for me no matter what. When jobs fail, when finances get tight, when I'm uncertain of the future, God will provide because he is an extravagant father, period. I would live my life differently if I, at the core of who I am, believed that truth. That God is greater than an extravagant father. Can you guys turn that box off cuz it's not working and it's uh I thought it might be helpful and it's actually super unhelpful. Not good at math, I'm not good at technology, I'm not good at math. Okay, moving on. So not only is God an extravagant father, God is an extravagant brother. He calls Jesus an extravagant brother. So i like it in your mind, think of your siblings. Think of your best siblings, your, your, your favorite brother, your favorite sister, how tight you've been, the experiences you've shared, the times they've always been there for you. And they really know you, but they're still tight with you. Right? i got to tell you something. The love of Jesus, the extravagance of Jesus, is greater than that of any brother or sister. By far. Listen to this passage from Hebrews chapter 2. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. This, is, and this, this passage is amazing. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call me A brother. Jesus is not ashamed to call you a brother or a sister. That's amazing. That is amazing to me because one of the most motivating things in my life has been shame that I run from and shame that I use to push people away. And this right here in Hebrew says, Jesus is not ashamed. And Jesus will not let the lies drive me away. And he'll just say, hey, yo, bro, I went to the cross for you. To be close to you. Because an extravagant relationship looks like this. That Jesus is an extravagant brother whose love for us is greater than we could ever imagine. God's our father, Jesus our brother. Also, Jesus is an extravagant friend. We sing it all the time. What a friend we have in Jesus, right? And we say those words, but do we believe it at a core? So think about your best friend. The person who's always there for you never fails. Name that person in your, in your name, in your head. And let me tell you, you know what? Jesus, as an extravagant friend, is so much greater than the person you just thought of in your head. By far. John 15, 15 says this. I no longer call you servants, Jesus says, because a servant does not know his, his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Hey, you guys aren't just working for me, Jesus says. As disciples, as followers, you guys just aren't working for me as servants. I'm calling you friends. And you are invited to be part of my family business. You are invited to be part of God's plan of redemption and healing and hope for the world. To change the world. You are my friends beside me. Let's go do this. Let's change the world together. And I say I believe those things, but if I had a a faith that I had an extravagant friend that was greater than the friends I have in the world, I think it would change everything about the way I went out in the world with the love of God. So God is an extravagant father. Jesus is an extravagant brother, an extravagant friend, and lastly, an extravagant lover. Now this one might seem a little bit awkward, but if you read the Bible from Song of Solomon to Ephesians, through to the book of Revelation, that theme comes up time and time and time again about the intimacy, the intimacy of the love of God that can be part of our lives. So turn to your significant other if they're in the room. Or don't look at me, that's awkward. But no, turn to your significant other. And I want you to think about how great they are. They are something special, and I believe it to be true. But God wants us to know that as a lover, He wants to be even greater than any lover we would know on earth. That we could come with the kind of openness and transparency and vulnerability that we could be welcomed in the arms of God as our lover. Listen from Zephaniah 3. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. What a picture of a lover. God's with me, whispering in my ear, delight. Calming me, quieting me with his love rejoicing over me with song. I've been chosen. I've been beloved. I've been beloved. Lisa and I got married on our wedding rings. We had the words engraved, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. God wants to write that on our hearts. You are my beloved. You are my beloved. And we say that we believe those things, but do we feel it down here? Do we live differently because... We know that, we know that, we know that no matter what we do, no matter what we experience, God loves us right where we're at. Do we? In closing, I want to share a passage that hopefully will sum it all up. This picture of how much greater than God's love is than we ever might imagine. He's our father, he's our brother in Jesus, he's our friend in Jesus, he's our lover. But do we get it? This passage from Ephesians challenges us to get there. This is from the Message Version. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, and I ask him to strengthen you by his Spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimension of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb its depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. I want you to pick a sentence in your head up on that screen that you need to take with you into this week. What would that sentence be? That you would take with you into this week. Because when I look at that and hear about the extravagant dimension of Christ's love and the challenge to take it in, that we need even prayer to take it all in, to receive it all in, so that we can what, live full lives, live extravagant lives because in an extravagant relationship we have with the God who's our Father, with Jesus who's our brother, our friend, our lover. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. They actually would make it, it would make us to live greater than lives. Greater than we've been living. Because if you think about God, oh, by the way, that's called theology. You're all theologians. If you think about God, I would challenge you that your God's pretty small. My God's pretty small sometimes because i got issues in my life. I'm like, God can't take care of that. I compartmentalize it. i got healing that I still need to do in my life. Ah, I don't think God's big enough to take care of that. But if you listen to these themes in Scripture, and you take it all in, we, we can't help but walk away saying, God is so much greater than everything else. Let me close with this. Uh, it, it, during the time of the discovery retreat I was on, I was reading some Henry Nowen, and he has three challenges for us to be reminded that we are the beloved, and to grasp that we are the beloved. And this is how Henry Nowen puts it. Three things. First, keep unmasking the world about you for what it is. Manipulative, controlling, power-hungry, and in the long run, destructive. The world tells you so many lies about who you are. These feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. You know, on that retreat with the middle schoolers, we took mirrors with us. And we had the kids write on their mirrors how they thought God saw them. And what messages the world told them about themselves and they thought about themselves in the in their own heads that were destructive and negative and harmful. And you wouldn't believe the kind of things that kids put on these, these mirrors. Ugly. No good. Shame. Unlovable. But we wrote them in, uh, in whiteboard markers and then we wiped them off. And then we told them to write the truth of God in Sharpie. Mine says beliked. Because I think beloved is not cool. But we have to keep unmasking the world for its lies. Second, it says, Keep looking for people and places where the truth is spoken and where you are reminded of your deepest identity as a chosen. Hey, that's why you're here. right? Right? To be in a place, to be with others, to invest deeply in relationships where someone who knows you and knows all your flaws says, You know what? You're still precious to me and you're precious to God. Keep going to those places. And lastly... Keep celebrating your chosenness constantly. This means saying thank you to God and having, for having chosen you and thank you to all who remind you of your chosenness. Living lives of gratitude. It changes everything. Our three weeks in Africa and, and, and uh, and, um, France, the whole time I'm walking around with gratitude and I'm seeing the world differently because I wouldn't have even been there except for the abundant, extravagant love of people who got me there. I walk differently when I'm celebrating my chosenness and saying thank you. I challenge you to think of those things too. So we finished up the retreat, uh, Kenny and I did, with uh, writing a a prayer, really, about about this question. So what's your longing? In light of all that we've talked about, what difference does it make? What do you long for? What do you want from God? What are you seeking and saying, Okay, I want to know that there's a greater than relationship with you and I'm tired of giving a lip service. Help me. Help me get there. So I'm going to pause for a moment and let you Write that prayer on your heart. What do you most long for? What do you most wish for? What's your heart's cry to God? Maybe an image, a keyword that would help you be able to take it all in. And I'll give you one minute. You might need some more time to keep reflecting on that as you go home. Maybe look over some of these passages again. But I'll just share what I ended up with, and the picture really is just snuggling with God. The picture was snuggling with God like I get to snuggle with my kids, that God would hold me like that. And this is my prayer, to be resting in the embrace of my Heavenly Father, who likes me as much as He loves me, constantly refreshed by the truth of His blessing of me as His beliked. Four years ago, I went to the same retreat and started putting those kind of words together. And I can tell you in those four years, God is just slowly, slowly making it true for me. And going deeper and deeper of just experiencing his extravagant relationship, his extravagant love for me. But i got a long way to grow, and I'll bet so do you. But start today to somehow get rid of the lies. And let's say what we believe becomes what we truly Believe, and that we would know that the love of God is so much greater than we could ever imagine. Please pray with me. Father, we do come to you knowing that uh, we get stuck in that second order of doing for you or of, of regretting what we're not doing for you, and it pushes you away and it gets us in a place where we feel like we're running, and the entire time your arms are open, your invitation is there, calling us back as a lover, calling us close as a friend, calling us close as a brother, wanting to be there and provide for us as a father. Help us get it. Help us live full lives and know the greater than, extravagant abundance of being loved by you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.